First of all, I have to apologize to our visitors, both those from Milton and any others who are with us today, that today is the first of a series of three sermons on the subject of Christian giving. I'm sorry that uh, those of you who are only here for today will miss the two other ones. Uh, but nevertheless, the handout that you've got will give you a fair idea of what's in store for the rest of us. I thought, though, that it was um, a great day, really, for um, the merger of two choirs, one from uh, across the Atlantic and one from the side of the ocean, uh, because it's one of those few days where we can agree on the date. It is 10.10 today. <laughs> Not only that, it's 10.10.10, so it's a really special day. The subject in hand is quite a serious one. And it's a subject that uh, many of us are not entirely comfortable about talking about in church. But nevertheless, because I think it's important and because for reasons that over the coming weeks I'll try to explain, there is an issue about our Christian giving in this church. And to begin with, I have to say that it's not because we're not a well-off church. In fact, many people looking at our accounts, would think that we're extraordinarily wealthy. It is true that through the generosity of past generations, we do have investments. One of the problems is, though, that we're using the income from those investments to fund our day-to-day -day parish work. And one of the byproducts of that is that we are not, for example, spending any money on our church centre, and there's a backlog of tens if not hundreds of thousands of pounds of just basic maintenance that needs to be done on that building. But much more important than that, we're not lifting our eyes above the horizon. We're not thinking, well, what ought a church of our size to be doing? Why, for example, is it that other churches have a youth pastor or a youth worker or a youth leader? And we don't. We rely on volunteers, valued as they are for that work, and for so much else that we do. Well, we don't have a youth pastor because at the moment we can't afford to have one. Why is it that if you happen to go into the office on a, a morning, you'll find that there is so much work going on and um, we don't have all the administrative support that we really need for a parish and church of this size? Well, it's because we kind of just get by with a few hours that we pay and again with lots of volunteers helping out around the edges. So we're not equipped for the future. And so these three Sundays are going to be addressing what I've described as a great opportunity because this is not something to be miserable about. This is something which really gives us a subject to get our teeth into and if you like to show our Christian credentials. And when we get to week three we'll be talking about cheerful giving. But week one is in the Old Testament times and it's set when the people of Israel had come out of Egypt, been freed by God from their slavery there. They'd spent 40 years in the wilderness and at last they were installed in the promised land. They were there and this land was truly a land flowing with milk and honey. And 11 of the 12 tribes of Israel were given their allotment of territory so that they could, they could have their crops and they could have their flocks uh, and they could be 
well looked after and well provided for. God showed his generosity to those people in that way. And God today shows his generosity to so many of us in so many different ways. And we often forget to be grateful for it. There was a twelfth tribe, the tribe of the Levites, and you may have caught uh, some sentences about them. They were the people who looked after the public worship of God. So they didn't have any land. And had it not been for the one-tenth of the income of the other tribes, they would have been destitute when all around them were living in relative luxury. The important thing about our reading this morning is, I think, twofold. First of all, that the 10% that the tribes were instructed to give out of their generosity back to God who had given them so much, that was the first thing they had to do. It wasn't, well, you know, have enough for yourselves and then work out what you want to spend and whether you need a bigger house or a bigger television set or a bigger car and then if there's anything left, well, you know, just you could give that to the church or to the worship of God. It wasn't that at all. First to the Lord is the heading of this week's sermon. The first 10%, not the crumbs under the table. The first 10%. We've kind of gone away from this idea about tithing, haven't we? 10% of our income sounds like an awful lot. One thing I could absolutely assure you is that if everyone in our church gave 10% of their income, you would never have to hear me speaking about money again. (laughs) If everybody gave 5%, which is what the diocese recommends people to aim towards, you'd never hear from me again. Robert and I, Robert, you know, looks after all of our Uh, plan giving and gift aid and and does a wonderful job but Robert and I talking about it thought that perhaps in this area though we don't know for certain that perhaps giving to the church was at sort of one to one and a little bit percent of incomes now some of you may already be quite uncomfortable about this and I want to I want to distinguish at least two separate categories of people who are who are in a different position from many of the rest of us. First of all, there are some people who couldn't possibly afford to give more. And for them I'd say, well, on the back of the sheet there is the story about what Jesus said about the widow who put her couple of little coins into the treasury, coins she couldn't afford. And Jesus said, God sees this and she has put in more than all those wealthy people who appear to be putting in lots more. So that's one category. If you're giving already more than you can afford, give a little less. But certainly don't feel that you're under pressure to put more in. Secondly, there is another category which is a sensitive one, and that is of people who may be Christians themselves, but may be married to someone who is not a Christian, who doesn't subscribe to the fact that people should give to the church. And the last thing that the church is about is creating tensions in family life. So if that's an issue for you, then I don't say ignore what I say, but you don't have to feel bad. Now the rest of us, that leaves most of us feeling bad, I hope. (laughs) Well, I don't hope. I don't hope because this is such an opportunity. I've called it the great opportunity because giving away 
as we do at Christmas, for example, to our family and friends, giving away is one of the most wonderful things we can do. It's not a burden. But we have to get from where we are, where it seems like it, and where you know, we don't know how to respond to all the charitable appeals that we get. That's a big issue, isn't it? We need to get from that to a place where we've got some structure in our giving. And once we've done that, then it's simply a fact of life and something that we can take pride in, our own generosity. So there may be a period over which we need, both as individuals and as a church, to move to where perhaps I'm suggesting we ought to be. Nothing happens overnight, and I don't want it to happen overnight. I don't want this to be like it was perhaps for the Conservation Fund, a kind of spontaneous generosity. I want it to be a thought-out approach to life, which involves money, certainly, but also everything else that we do. It involves the way we spend our time. And if we're sincere about following in the way of Jesus Christ, we can't ignore the way we live our lives. Someone, neither Robert nor me, you'll be pleased to hear because we've got lots of things to do. Someone has counted up the number of verses in the Bible that refer to wealth and there are 2,300 of them. You'll be delighted against that background that you're only getting three sermons. (laughs) There is lots there and I've put a few extra texts on the handout. The handout, by the way, is for you to take away, but it would be really good, those of you who can bear to come next week and the week after, if you could come bring them back with you. But, but don't worry, if you forget them, we will have more to hand out. There is a lot of material there. It talks about our finances. It talks about how um, we're, just, we're just keeping our heads above the water, but only using all that investment income, which perhaps ought to be better used, maintaining the value of our properties. The other thing I'd like to encourage, and which happened after the last two services, is to engage in a debate about this. You may violently disagree with what I say. I have the benefit and the privilege of being, as they say, six feet above contradiction, but I'm not really. (laughs) And it is important that we engage with this debate, because the future for this church holds such wonderful opportunities. There is so much that we could be doing that we're not doing at the moment. You may think, well, we're kind of flat out with everything that we're doing. Well, God has even greater things in store for us. Perhaps we'll have to focus more. For the time being, we are engaged in the process leading up to the appointment of a new incumbent, which may yet be some way away. We're involved in the process of joining with our brothers and sisters at St. Mary and St. John's, California. So lots lots is going to change. Lots are going to change. But... What we could do is we could take the subject of our financial giving uh, as seriously as I think the Bible demands it of us. So to take away from today, there are lots of things there, but particularly to remember how generous God has been to us. We may not think we're wealthy, but just think of those people who live in refugee camps. Think of those people who don't know where the next meal is coming from for their children. And we truly are wealthy, even if we can find people who are better off than we are. So we're wealthy, and our response to God's generosity to us should be to be generous in return, and to do this as a thought-out, consistent, and committed 
way of doing things. But bear in mind about the Levites too. It was a mutual process in those days and it's still a mutual process. 10% of the people in this church give one third of our income. And that's as it should be. It may be that those 10% are being called on to give even more, much more. It may be. Only we ourselves know what God might be calling us to do in terms of our own giving. But what I do want you to do, and it will be helped by this wonderful music that we're going to have this morning, I want you to walk out of here this morning with your heads held high and your hearts bursting because the opportunity is so great. And so to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>